The last one had been Rebecca, the miller's daughter. She was only thirteen, and no one believed any of it was coincidence anymore. To be perfectly honest, I began dishonestly. I did not go to the miller's house, but I did happen to pass by there. Pretty damn close, I'd imagine. You have mud on your boots. She gave my boots a disapproving stare. I was tracking mud on our dirt floor. Why she cared that mud might follow me in and get on a dirt floor, I never understood. We were currently living in a small, ramshackle cottage near the gutted remains of Castle Cameron. It was a step up from the Waddle and Daub hovel, but not a big enough step to have an actual floor. Ah, the luxurious life of a true aristocrat. Well, I did in fact walk along the river bank for a while, and I had already given up hiding my purpose. But Penny enjoys a good interrogation. You walked so far, you got mud all over your rear end, too. She was standing close now, and looked worried. Why did you think you had to sneak out? I didn't want you to worry. So waking up to find you missing from the bed after three other people have disappeared and then waiting up until nearly dawn, hoping you would be back, that's not supposed to worry me? She seemed to be taking it well. Hmm. I hadn't thought of it from that perspective exactly. You see, the idea was that you would not wake up, and thus when I returned in the morning you would never have suffered from all the worrying and such. It had made perfect sense when I formed my plan the day before. I had waited until after nine in the evening, and once I heard Penny's distinctive snoring, I eased my way out of bed. I spent most of the night walking through the woods near the outskirts of the village, or sitting on the bank near the miller's house, hence the mud on my pants. Penny wrapped her arms around me and leaned her head against my chest. She was upset but not the throw-things-at-you sort of mad I had expected. I would have gone with you if you had just told me, she said softly. Sure, I would take my fiancé out on dark nights to hunt for a boogeyman that was snatching people away. When pigs started flying. Listen, Penny, I know you would go with me, but I can't drag you into situations like this. If something happened to you, I don't know what it would do to me. Turn that around and look at it from my perspective, was her reply. The conversation didn't go anywhere productive from there. But eventually, we gave up and went to bed. She hadn't had any more sleep than I had, despite my clever plan. So we both slept late the next morning. As you might guess already, being the revered Count Cameron had not turned out to be quite the happily ever after, I had expected. Actually, it was looking more and more like a lot of work. Since my grandfather's untimely demise, the estate had fallen into disrepair. The old castle had been gutted by fire. My father's doing, I am told. My uncle, the Duke of Lancaster, had taken over the rents and done his best to maintain the basic services required, but he had seen no need to restore the castle himself. Now, the Cameron lands consisted of one small village, and it was quite a stretch calling it a village. Mainly, it was a collection of dwellings,
Most of the farmers traveled to Lancaster to sell their goods and barter. Penny and I had moved there shortly after I had received my title, and we were currently in the most exalted building to be found. Luckily, the good duke had been keeping the rents and taxes for the past sixteen years. Minus his portion, of course. In practical terms, that meant he had given me a sum amounting to slightly over nine hundred gold marks. At first, this had seemed a princely sum, especially on top of the two hundred I had won from the late Devon Tremont. How naive I had been. It truly was a lot of money. But the cost of restoring a feudal keep is considerable. I would have been quite happy just upgrading our cottage to a more traditional half-timbered wattle-and-daub home with a field-stone foundation. Stone floor.